during worship, the Lord said uh, he wants us to, to fall on him. Um, he's known as, as the rock of offense and the stone of, of stumbling. And uh, he said that when we fall on him, we'll be broken. But right now, too many Christians are crushed. And um, the thing is, uh, as, a, as a believer, you're only supposed to get crushed once. He falls on you once, and you're crushed. And I can prove that to you. In uh, Psalm 34, it says that the Lord saves those who are crushed. So we've been saved because He fell on us, and we got crushed. But now what He wants us to do is fall on Him so that we can be broken. Because in that same verse, it says that He's close to the broken. Anybody want to have the Lord close? It says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. The difference between a crushed pitcher and a, and a broken pitcher is a crushed pitcher can't hold any water. <laughs> a crushed pitcher is really good for nothing, but a broken pitcher has water flowing out of it. And so when you're broken by the Lord, you're going to just be spilling Him everywhere. Everywhere you go. And He's going to be close to you. Um, <clears throat> how do you think most believers would react if I told them that reading the Word doesn't have to be boring? That prayer doesn't have to be boring? That church services don't have to be boring? How do you think most, most believers would, would react? I think that in their hearts, they'd, they'd be like, well, prove it, because that's not been my experience, right? I mean, we, we've all been there. I've been there. I've gone through seasons of extreme boredom and apathy and lukewarm. I was just continually getting vomited out of the Lord's mouth. <laughs> I, was, I was vomit. I was getting puked out of his mouth constantly. And he, he wants us to be either hot or cold, like Tracy brought up today. And last week she, she mentioned that, or maybe it was Thursday, she was preaching about I would that you'd either be, uh, I'd rather you be hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I mean, that's the worst. No one likes lukewarm. Do you know why lukewarm is the worst? If, because if you have a, a hot cup of water, the only way it got hot was by supernatural means. Because water will always just take on the temperature of the room. It'll, it'll just settle and become lukewarm. But you need a stove or a microwave, and that is something supernatural happening to that water. And so the Lord, He'd much rather prefer us be people who know how to receive His love. He wants us to be receiving supernatural empowerment. And it's funny to me that he actually lumps in there, I'd rather you be cold. And that to me has been a mystery for years, and I've heard a lot of great sermons on it. But last week, what the Lord said to me, and you can take it or leave it, this is just what I believe now, is that he would rather us be angry with him and honest about it than lukewarm and living a lie. Cold means angry. Man, that, that brother is cold. That's, you know, she got, she is cold. She is angry. 
Right? God would rather us be either in love with him, on fire, or get to the point where we confront that we are actually just angry with him, get honest before him so that we can get an encounter because we've been missing out on encounters with the Lord by sugarcoating and putting a good face on the depravity inside of our soul instead of just telling him what's going on so that he can come and fix us. If you're angry, if you're offended, if you're hurt, go to him and say that. It's better than lukewarm, pretending like everything's okay. So if I told uh, most of the church that reason the word doesn't have to be boring, prayer doesn't have to be boring, um, you know, the question would arise as to how? How is it possible to, to live in that place? And guys, I don't have a formula for it, and I definitely don't have all the answers, but what happened to me when I went to ministry school, I went out to Morningstar School of Ministry. Uh, it's close to Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, when I was there, there were just, just great men of God and women of God that would teach us and, and hang out with us and you know, pour into us and disciple us. And I heard from, I mean, they would fly in just amazing people, people that have moved in crazy miracles, seen revival. I mean, we met so many people that are just heroes in the kingdom right now. And, and so I heard all these incredible stories of encounter and, and miracles and, and healings and people being raised from the dead. And it was great. I was getting like pumped up, but there came this point where the, the switch flipped and I said, why not me? Why not me, God? I don't want to live the rest of my life telling that man's story. Come on. I want my own stories. I want my own encounters. I want my own history. I want my own relationship with the Lord where I am fully confident in his great love for me, where I'm fully confident that when I open his mouth, he will show up. Anybody in here want that? Well, so from that point forward, I started implementing, you know, some things in my life, some changes. I got radical. I became a Jesus freak. What would people think? And I... <laughs> I just, I'm telling you, the, the anointing of the 90s is coming back. I want to sing, children sing glory, glory, hallelujah, he reigns. We'll get that next time. Bunny trail. Here we go, bunny trail. Um, that's the sound a bunny makes. Um, <laughs> that noise, my wife hates that noise. When we were first married, I would pin her down and make that noise in her ear. <laughs> She'd be slapping and kicking. <laughs> so here's the bunny trail, <laughs> five minutes later. Um, the Lord says that John Wimber's anointing is up for grabs. Yeah. 
John Wimber started the vineyard movement in the 70s and 80s. He's the father of modern healing and even the father of modern worship. It's because of the vineyard church that there is rock and roll on the stage. And that it's because of the vineyard church that at the end of services, the sick come up and get prayed for and get healed. They, they, they stood on that that front line and they contended for it and it spread like wildfire throughout the body of Christ starting in the 70s. Oh, bless Asher. <laughs> and so the Lord said, John Wimber's anointing is up for grabs. All it takes is wanting the Holy Spirit more than a good church service. Yeah. Who in here is completely disillusioned and sick of the status quo? Who in here is tired of church meetings that are just normal, whatever, just, I am too, I am with you, I want the Holy Spirit, I want, I want, I want to make room for him, I want him to be the guest of honor, whatever it looks like. And, and see, John Wimber, the reason he got that anointing is because he had to sacrifice more than half of his church to get it. People left offended, humiliated. They were sick of him calling up people who were injured and not seeing them get healed. It was embarrassing. And so he lost hundreds of his church. But then when the Lord showed up, the nations came. That's right. He got the nations. So Jesus, we want that anointing. We want that anointing. Did you know John Wimber it was actually kind of a, a discipler of Bob Jones? Bob Jones spoke into his life a lot, but they were, they were buddies. So Lord, we want that anointing. that You gave John Wimber, Lord. We honor him. We honor our, our, our father in the faith who has fallen asleep and is in your arms right now. I know he's looking down on the, in that great cloud of witnesses cheering us on saying, take it, take that anointing. We want that anointing of John Wimber, Jesus. We want that Holy Spirit more than anything else. Okay. I'm probably only going to speak for another five, ten minutes. No, it's okay. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, I had a missionary friend uh, Facebook messaged me and, uh, and Vincent Corcoran, and he's a guy that I really respect, and he, he said, guys, I need to know how you encounter God. I, I, I don't encounter God like you do. And I was, I was really honored, but also um, shocked because he moves in miracles, like he, he's He's done a lot of mission work in, you know, the Middle East where, you know, he could get killed for his faith and seen salvations. But he said, how do you encounter God? I'm, I'm desperate. And then he, and then he prophesied. And um, he said, this is the question that people all over the world will be asking. And our experiments and testimonies about growing in this area will light fires all over the planet. The way that we are not bored is through encountering Him in everything that we do. And again, I said this right from the start, I have no formula for how to encounter God, but I do believe that there are, there are 
truths that we can just start choosing to believe that will transform our minds. And there are things that we can do, there are biblical prescriptions, so to speak, that we can start implementing in our lives that will paint a target on us that angels and the Holy Ghost cannot resist. It, you, will, you will be a good smelling sacrifice and they will come. All right, I'm going to skip all of that and then go to this. <laughs> okay, so we want encounters with the Lord like Isaiah had in Isaiah chapter 6, right? The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The train of his robe filled the temple. The whole place is filled with smoke. He sees cherubim and, and God himself is in this room with him. And then, he, you know, an angel comes and and takes a coal from the altar, a burning coal, and touches his lips. I mean, it's an insane encounter. And you can see a marked change in Isaiah's life from that point. We want encounters like what happened with the two disciples on, on the road to Emmaus. It was uh, uh, Cleopas or Clopas and, uh, <laughs> and another disciple. And, and it was just after uh, you know, Jesus had... Uh, died and, and resurrected, but they, didn't, they hadn't seen him yet, and they didn't really believe or understand the scriptures, and they had this encounter with the risen Jesus. And they didn't, they didn't recognize him at first until he broke bread. And then their eyes were open, and they're like, we know this guy. <laughs> and did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke with us on the road? Jesus actually prophesied himself to them throughout all of scripture, could you imagine that moment? Jesus showing up in your room. Do you want this? Do you want Jesus to show up in your room and start from Genesis? And then prophesy, show you every place in Scripture where he is revealed? The Old Testament is, is an encounter waiting to happen. Everything from the Old Testament points to a man named Jesus Christ. And, um, and I bet Jesus, you know, he, he may have started with the creation and, and said, you know, the, then they, they fell. And, and I bet he paused at like Psalm 22, when, you know, that, that great prophecy of Jesus. I bet he paused at Isaiah 53 and showed him, that, you know, who he, he really is. I bet he paused at, at Daniel 9. I bet he paused in Zechariah. He said that the shepherd, they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And I bet they were flooded with conviction in that moment. That's kind of one of the things that comes along with encountering God. You can expect conviction. And just in every revival that you can read about, people were very motivated to repent of their sins. People were very aware of His holiness. You can expect an overwhelming awareness of His presence. And you can expect an awareness of His gracious forgiveness. And you can expect a call to action. And that you will be very motivated. Because when you see Him, all those false motivations fall away, and you realize why you follow this man.
You realize that he's worthy of love and you can't help but love him. You're now motivated by his mercy. You're now motivated by his loving kindness instead of a fear of failure, instead of a sense of duty. You're now motivated because you've seen who he really is. Okay, so here's a couple things that um, we can do to encounter the Lord in private or in our personal lives. The Lord told me every time you open the Bible, angels are drawn. All of heaven's attention is turned to a saint that cracks open those pages. It's not just, where is my Bible? I just love this thing. I've had this since I was like 13 years old. My parents got it for me. It's a Thompson chain reference. This, is, this was like all of uh, computer software is in this book because you can, it's got the chain reference system. I highly recommend it. Um, this, is, this is analog uh, before computers. Um, <laughs> and um, the Lord said, when you, when you crack this thing open, Angels come, and when you read things like, you know, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in, in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And you begin to get some revelation. The angels are feasting on the revelation that you're getting of the, from the Lord. Did you know that we have a more privileged access to God the Father than even angels? Did you know that they are drawn to us because they want to learn of His goodness from us sometimes? That we can actually amaze them with mysteries of Christ? All of history, the prophets long to look into this. Angels long to see Christ in you. So reading the Bible uh, can be like an instant encounter. Um, if you're not encountering the Lord, just store it up, you know. He'll, he'll come to that party and turn it into wine, like I talked about <laughs> earlier. He'll come to that party. He will. If you just store up that water in your heart, he'll turn it into wine. Okay, another thing. Minister to your own heart. Jesus doesn't just live in your heart. He has become your heart. If you are hard on your heart, you will not have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Because the way that you're treating your heart is the way that you're treating Him. He wants you to actually do the things that you love to do, the things that make you come alive. He actually wants you to pursue the desires and the passions in your heart because He designed them and placed them in you when you were formed in your mother's womb. When you actually minister to your own heart and go easy on your own heart and actually start spending time doing the things that make your heart come alive, I'm talking about going fishing. Yeah. I'm talking about yeah. go skiing. Get around friends and, and, and play cards. Whatever makes your heart come alive. Start ministering to it. We, we've got a... a you know, there are times when the Lord calls us to fasting, which I'm going to talk about, and, 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 and self-sacrifice. But you know that he commanded way more feasts than fasts. That's true. He actually wants us to show the world 
how happy a person can be. Here's another thing that's worked for me. Sleep more. <laughs> sleep like an hour more than you need. Sleep like an hour more than you need because I've noticed in that time, this is just personal, uh, but it's going to be true for many people because I researched it scientifically, that many times the last hour of your sleep is when you get all those dreams. Yeah. Dreams, for me, often turn into uh, encounters with angels, I've met biblical heroes, and I've met the Lord himself. Another way to encounter the Lord personally, keep asking for encounters. You have not because you ask not. Pray and fast and practice His presence. When you start to become overwhelmed with you know, noticing His closeness, when your senses are opened up, recognize what you're doing in that moment. And say, huh, I, my heart just got filled with praise and thanksgiving and I felt His closeness. I just whispered to Him, you know, my worship to him, and I felt his presence. And so you, you practice that. You're like, you let his goodness wash over you. He's reciprocating his love to you. A guy named uh, uh, Brother Lawrence wrote, Practice the Presence of God. And he's an old school monk. I can't even remember when he lived, but he's an awesome guy. I read the book. And, um, and he was just a real meek, quiet guy, lived at the monastery with the rest of the monks, and he did the jobs that none of the other monks wanted to do, and he loved mopping the floor. He loved cleaning the dishes, because while he was doing it, he was whispering his, his adoration to Jesus, and letting the Lord's love, his reciprocating love, wash over him. And you know, people would travel miles and miles and days to come and watch Brother Lawrence wash dishes. I said he would begin to glow. Practice his presence. Okay, and then uh, I'm going to end it with, uh, I want to talk about um, corporate encounter because um, what the Lord has, has been saying all across the body of Christ is that um, he's, uh, he's coming to the family, not the individual. Like, he is going to come and, like, encounter you. But the, the real deal is when, he, when the family comes together and Papa shows up. That's right. when, when our eyes are open to, to recognize that we are the body of Christ and he is already here, that's when stuff's going to get crazy in Dallas. Okay, so how do we help that along? Matthew 18.20 says that where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. So we just come together. We can talk about the Lord together. We can worship the Lord together. In a, in a church service, how many of you guys ever been uh, in, a, in a meeting where the worship sounds terrible? I'm just saying, to, to the old natural ear, it sounds terrible. Anybody ever been in a, in a worship service like that? It's okay to admit it. I've been worshiping uh, since I was 13, learned the guitar. I was terrible for decades. <clears throat> um, how many of you guys ever been in a service where it, it seems like the, the preacher or whoever's teaching just cannot step into the anointing? Anybody ever been in a service like that where it just seems dry and hard? How many of you guys sat there in judgment? 
<laughs> this guy, this guy sat there in judgment. Like, why, why would they let that guy play that guitar? Or what, why is that guy even speaking? Like, does he have a relationship with God? Seriously, I've thought these things and I've sat there and judged them. And I know that you guys have too. That is what is stifling an increase of the spirit in the room. When we start to intercede instead of judge and just be like, oh, God, help that guy, Lord. <laughs> Take him to heaven right now, Lord. Help him be funny or something, Jesus. Anoint the worship team or at least like take me up into heaven. <laughs> Stuff changes. You have to be around people um, that believe in you. Including the, the, the preacher and the worship leader need people that believe in them. Even Jesus needed people that believed in him when he went to his hometown. He couldn't actually do all that was in his heart to do. Because of their lack of faith. Only in his hometown was that prophet without honor. He could only heal a few people. NBD, you know, no big deal. Let's just heal you, 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 you. Peace out. But what he wanted to do was so much more. It was their contempt, and they didn't believe in him. You guys know that if Jesus actually needed to be surrounded by people that believed in him and preferred it that way, don't you want to be surrounded by people that believe in you? Yes. Wouldn't you prefer to live life like that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did get that from you, Matthew. <laughs> Matthew's going to do a much better job preaching that because I believe in him. <laughs> okay. Follow the leader. If there's someone getting schwacked by the Holy Spirit in the best kind of way and you're sitting there feeling nothing, go do what that person's doing. He's the lead dog hunting for dove. Okay? <laughs> Seriously, the lead dog hunts out, you know, smells out that dove and goes after him. And the other dogs, they may not have smelled the dove, but they're going to chase after that leader. So if you see someone who's got the dove, follow them. Do what they're doing. Choose to praise the way that they're praying. Choose to get on your knees the way that they got on their knees. Okay, uh, test out biblical styles of worship. The Bible has these awesome prescriptions for praise and worship. Some of them sound like this. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Thank the Lord and remember all of his benefits. Remember all the, all the great things about being in his family. Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed. This is out of Psalm 103. Remember the benefits of being with the Lord and enter into thanksgiving. Joyful song. Just start singing. If you don't know the words or maybe they didn't get up on the screen in time, just go, you're good, Jesus. <laughs> you can sing in tongues. You can make spiritual songs. Dancing, shouting, lift up your hands, bowing, get on your knees, even lying flat on your face. I think that I did every one of these today. <laughs> and I encountered the Lord. I didn't, I didn't necessarily feel like it either. 
So if you're not feeling the presence of the Lord, or if you're not, you know, entering in, in worship, if you're not feeling the anointing, if you're not, you know, praising Jesus, well, all we have to do is step out of our pride for a moment and, and test out what the Bible says to do and shout, Jesus, I need you. I don't care if I look dumb right now. Dance around, shout it out, fall on your face. <laughs> if I won't do these things because it's not my style, then I am not worshiping God. I am worshiping a God I've created in my image. Right. Agree. When someone is praying to the Lord, agree. Yes. Out loud. Yes. Say, yes, Jesus. Yes. I agree. <laughs> Yes, as she said it, as he said it, Lord, we do want revival in Dallas. Yes. Agreement is so powerful. And verbal agreement is really powerful for the person who's praying who might not be feeling like they're praying anything good. <laughs> but the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Here's another way that we can encounter the Lord or help along a corporate encounter. Become a participant and not a spectator. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Come with something for the church. This is out of 1 Corinthians 14, 26. When you meet together, one can sing, one can teach, another can tell some special revelation that God has given, another will speak in tongues, another can interpret what is said. But everything that is done can strengthen everyone. Everything that's done can strengthen the church. So instead of like coming and, and, and letting church happen up here, come with a word for someone. Come saying, you know what, um, I had a really terrible week, but one thing that I learned from it is this, and share it with someone that, that the Lord points out to you, because you're going to minister to their heart. If you become a participant instead of a spectator, if I become a participant instead of a spectator, then we are going to become the body. And the Lord said that if you become the body, he'll supply the blood. If you just become the body, he will send the blood. And so we want to encounter the Lord, right? <laughs> he will send more. <coughs> Jesus has hugged me in a dream. He took me on a tour of the New Jerusalem, straight to the wine rack, in fact. Uh, I've had the privilege of meeting Jeremiah. I had a dream where Jesus and I were boiled in oil together. We're about to be boiled in oil together by some Pharisees. I saw Jesus in his planning room with angels. I met these angels. They spoke with me. I've stayed in Timothy's house, the Timothy. I know this. If you guys don't uh, believe me, that, that, that's okay. You can either choose to believe me that I'm not trying to lead you astray, that I actually love you and these stories are real. Um, or you don't have to. Um, but I did meet Timothy and I actually heard him read Paul's letter silently to himself on his bed while he was weeping because he realized he'd never speak to his spiritual father again. I asked the Lord to let me meet Heidi Baker. Three days later, a hurricane um, 
sent her out of the city where she was supposed to be into Dallas. And I was in a room with a few people, like a hundred people worshiping. Um, and Heidi Baker walked in the room. I'd never met her. I'd, this is many, many years ago before she was famous. She walked in the room and someone said, oh my gosh, that's Heidi Baker. And I looked at her and um, she, she didn't look around the room. She didn't go to any of the leaders. There, you know, there were big name leaders in the room. She walked straight across the room and laid on top of me. I was on my hands and knees before the Lord, worshiping. And this woman, I asked the Lord, let me meet Heidi Baker three days before. She comes up, lays on top of me, wraps her arms around me, and whispers my destiny to me. Do you know that we serve a good God? I actually had to ask God, please stay your hand, because I thought that I was going to throw up on the carpet. She just hugged me like a mother and whispered my prophetic destiny, destiny to me in my ear for like 10 minutes. This is three days after I asked to meet her. That happened in real life. That is not a dream. <laughs> Jesus, you are so good. Here's some crazy uh, stories that have happened to my friends. Again, you can choose to believe these or not. Uh, my... My buddy's uh, new wife lost her engagement ring and hid the fact that she had lost it from her new husband because she didn't want him upset. They didn't have the money to buy a new diamond. And so she hid the fact that she lost her ring all day, searched the house all day while he was at work. He came home. She still didn't have her, you know, couldn't find her ring. And so um, the husband went to sleep and she got up out of bed and started turning, you know, everything over, trying to find her ring still. And then she defeated, goes back to the bed and says, honey, and wakes him, wakes him up a little bit and says, honey, I'm so sorry. I looked everywhere, but I can't find my wedding ring. And my friend said, in the name of Jesus, it's in your right hand. And she opened up her palm and it had translated into her hand. Yes. Bobby Connor was given a pocket knife from Bob Jones. Bobby Connor loved that pocket knife and he lost it at some point, and years had gone by, and he was sitting in a hotel room at a city where he was ministering, and he just was angry about losing that pocket knife. And he said, Lord, I want my knife back. And materialized in the room and dropped on his bed. He still has it. <laughs> Again, these are crazy. A student from Bethel School of Ministry had his laptop stolen, and what stunk about that is he had all of his files on there, and he had just completed like a, a huge final paper, and, um, and his laptop got stolen, and, and he heard that story about Bobby Connor and the lost pocket knife, and so he was praying to the Lord earnestly, I want my laptop back, I want my laptop back, and you know what? He did not get his laptop back, but instead, he went to the MacBook, or the Mac store, the Apple store, bought a new laptop, the exact one that he wanted, turned it on, opened it up, and all of his files were on it. <clears throat> there was a time when Samuel... Uh, my, my little brother needed a, a pair of jeans because he outgrew his old ones, and the, the family was not in, they were in a real bad financial situation at this point, this is years ago, and, and um, they had no money to buy new jeans. This is one of Tracy's awesome stories, and she just washed the jeans, put them in the dryer, and 
2 came out, and the new one was the exact same kind as the old one, but it was a size up, the exact size Samuel needed. These are encounters with God. These are the things that we love, we want, that set our heart on fire. But you can't twist God's arm. You can't make him encounter you. He loves to encounter you. It's usually really unexpected. But what we can do is we can position our hearts in the, in the perfect angle for him to land. You know what I mean? We can create a landing strip of our life called devotion. We can create a target on ourselves called prayer and worship and fasting. Stuff that he can't resist. Yeah. 